Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I... She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and Coca-Cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds time, she said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. I want to sleep with common people. I want to sleep with common people like you. Well, what else could I do? I said, I'll see what I can do. Happy Thursday evening to everybody out there at KLRN land. This is your early introduction to the weekend. You are listening to The Culture Shift. I'm Brad Slager, entertainment writer at a number of outlets. And joining me on this foray into the entertainment realm every fortnight is America's most laser-focused and digitized Amish individual, Ordy Packard. What is going on, Ordy? Well, thank you for having me. This is uh, I am broadcasting from a secret location tonight as I am in the field doing secret Amish things. And um, I didn't know if I was yeah. allowed to divulge that or not. Well, you know, I, you know, it's just I'm putting it out there that I am in the field do, doing research or something. But I got to follow up um, just to give you an idea of where I am in the field. I got to follow up on something that we talked about on Toxic last night. And but before we do that, um, let's introduce our guest. Yes, we shall. We uh, we have in tandem with us tonight. Another KLRN fixture here on the network. It is the ever, ever Vessin Aggie Rican. How is everything in Texas, Aggie? <laughs> it's a little colder than I like, but other than that, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, so you have holiday weather going on. I do. Uh, I woke up to ice and frost out on the um, the lawn and the and, and the dock and everything. It was. I looked at them and I said, this is complete and total horseshit. It's only December. Usually we don't get cold, cold weather until January. So, but, you know. Frost. I know, frost. I had to put chains on today, but frost. I know. <laughs> Listen, we can throw daggers over at uh, Brad since he's in Florida. And he's not, he's probably enjoying like 70 degree weather right now. No, I want the cold. He had to wear slightly longer socks with his cargo shorts today. <laughs> no, we're uh, we're in the eighties all damn week. Oh man! Yeah, I haven't worn shoes in like three days. Nice, totally jealous, but nice. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Ordy is out in the in the field doing Amish things, probably. A, Three feet of snow. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was. But, okay, so while I'm out in the field, I 
following back last night, you guys remember when I was talking about um, goal gambling on toxic masculinity, where it's like if you just go to gamble for just a specific goal, like we were talking about coming out of the buffet. Yes. and you know, uh-huh. So today I get into town, I check into the hotel, and I go to my room, get everything unpacked, go back to get some food. And while I'm waiting for my food to go, I go to the bar and play a little bit of video poker and have a uh, Captain Coke. Hit four aces, cash out 200 bucks that paid for my room, my meal, all the tips I did, the drink, and the gas up here. So, even Steven. Very nice. Well played. That's yeah. like a free vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Right? So, as I said, that's, that's, that's the secret. As long as you're just gambling for a goal... You know, and the goal isn't like a new house, then you're good. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I totally get that. I, I, I don't like to gamble. I just, it, there's no attraction in it for me. I don't think it's evil or anything like that. I just, I don't see the attraction, <laughs> so I don't do it. But, um, you know, I, I do know professional gamblers who do that. They set a goal, and it's. It's not an you know outsized goal like like you said a house or anything like that. They just set a goal when they go gamble and they meet it and they're done. Yeah. You know they they walk away and that is and that is a uh, that is something that a lot of people need in order to be successful. When or and when I say successful, I don't mean come out winning or break even. I mean just have a good time and know that that money is going to go away. Right. So. That I talked success. to one who was a pro gambler, and he he was working a 2010 scale. He told me that it would be if you get up to 20% or you're down 10%. Sure. So yeah. if he starts with 100, if he hits down to 90, he just stops. If he goes to 120, then what he would do is move the scale up. So it would be well, 20% from the 120 and then 10 off of that. And this way, if he's winning and he ends up dropping 10%, he stops and he's guaranteed to walk away with something. See, that's what I mean, using that analogy, you know, what my ex-wife and I used to do would be kind of something similar to that. But when we got up 120, we'd take the cash out, take the 100, put that away. That's done. We're now on the house's money. So yes. everything after that is fine. Yeah. I mean, granted, we're talking way more than $20, but still, because my, as I've said before, my first wife and I had to file as professional gamblers one year because we showed more in losses than we showed in actual income from the jobs we worked because we were paid cash. We were paid, most of our income was in tips under the table. So, dang. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's, that's good news about your whole, you know, meeting yeah. your goal and, <laughs> exactly goals are important Learn that well played well played <laughs> well i think that's the way it usually works is you need to have discipline and i think 99.98 percent of people that gamble do not have that all that neon in vegas is not on because people have discipline <laughs> this is true <laughs> although speaking of i want to go to that the neon graveyard wherever that is oh, where they have yeah. all the signs I want to. Yeah. I want to go there. That's like that's a goal of mine. I don't. Yeah. I don't need to see Las Vegas. I just want to see that place. Because <laughs> you know that's actually fascinating. Fascinating archaeology. It really is. There is a there. I I I know that this sounds kind of weird for some people, but there is a certain art to advertising and seeing 
how it progresses throughout the uh, decades. It's extremely fascinating to me. So I would love to see. I like the atomic motif from the 40s and 50s, you know, because that was the that that was like a marriage of design all over the place. I mean, it was in advertising, packaging, Mm -hmm. design of products, and it was really kind of like the I don't know the Art Nouveau of the 50s or the Art Deco from the 20s. You know, the 1950s that was it, and then it just kind of it kind of waned, fell apart. (laughs) Freaking hippies in their paisley bullshit in the late (laughs) sixties. No, I mean to your point, that is the Art Deco of the twenties, meeting Plastic Fantastic or being killed by Plastic Fantastic. Yes. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really funny because the iconic "Welcome to Las Vegas" sign. uh, I don't know if y'all remember, but there was a. I want to say it was like in eighty one or eighty two. They had discussed updating it. Like they were going to take it down and put something else. And I'm like, Absolute uh, yeah, they fought it. Yeah, the, the, the city of Vegas fought that. And uh, so it and now it is such an icon that it could never be replaced, you know, so. Yeah, they steal that design for so many other things these days. Yes. <laughs> yes they you know, it's like McDonald's or In-N-Out. There's some point that a logo, you just can't change it. Correct. Yeah. Well, I think on the topic of gambling, oh, nice <laughs> segue into our first entry of the night because uh, we we're talking about uh, some studio work that laid a big egg when they gambled with some uh, production budgets here. Oof. Talking about Disney, and this is amazing. This I I've been studying this all week actually <laughs> it just still hasn't registered last weekend disney had their animated release called strange world that came out and most people listening are probably saying the hell is that and because nobody went to go see this thing it's absolutely amazing 18 million dollars it made on a holiday weekend a disney major animation release yeah this is a pixar too this isn't just like you know yeah disney studios this was this was this was a pixar <laughs> Should i say just disney oh, i studios? thought it was a i thought it came out of disney animation um you, okay now wait a second i thought it was a pixar it looks like a pixar i mean the art direction does look like a pixar but you may be right it may just be disney studios i stand corrected because uh, Pixar usually does one a year. They had Lightyear. Yeah, right. yeah, but that was another failure. Yeah, that one. Uh, that was the first one. And, and what do they have in common? <laughs> um, LGBTQIA plus. Two things: getting woke and going broke. Yeah. yeah. The um. The production budget alone on this is estimated to be between 120 to 180, which itself cracks me up. Because when they start fudging numbers like that, you know how bad things are. The fact that they can't, well, we yeah, well, you've got a can't pin down our budget. Swing in, well, you know, somewhere between this and that. It depends on if you really count for uh, advertising or not. You know. Well, no, that's before the PMA budget. I know, I know. That alone is actually noteworthy because Disney started scaling back the advertising on this. 
they knew this was going to tank after a period of time, which tells you so much. And the, here's what there's so many aspects about this that are amazing to me. One, this is Disney's they've staked out this landscape for, I think, decades now. Thanksgiving weekend belongs to Disney. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. All the studios know this. This is their release date for an animated feature. Everyone gets out of the way, you know, it's, and they'll stack yeah, up behind Everyone knows it. to not compete with Disney during Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. So they've, they've, they learned their lesson starting around, I want to say it was about 93 that they started learning that lesson. I mean, after losing to, I think it was Lion King. I was going to say, the, the, the 93 so, sounds like Lion King or, you know, in, um, yeah, or, or Pocahontas, Aladdin, something like or that. Aladdin, but, yeah. but yeah, they learned their lesson there, and everybody has always backed off from having a major film opening going up against Disney because they know they're going to. So they always like will put an independent, you know, indie film, um, a re release, you know, whatever, but never a major one. Now, the, the best you can get is where they might have a studio that tries to do some counter programming. You know, they they might release an adult movie so that the parents will put the kids in one theater and they'll go buy tickets to something that, that's more palatable for them. <laughs> Not that it usually works, but it's kind of like, you know, we got to we got to do something this weekend. I mean, a yeah, couple of years ago, they had one of the Chucky releases they put out opposite Toy Story. You know, <laughs> that's one of those things. And it. It yeah, but to your stuck. point, that's usually when you know most of the rom coms are dumped too. So you are right in that. Yeah, but and and sometimes you know it'll be like something completely opposite. Like um, I remember when Beating the Beast opened, I a friend of mine and I we wanted to go see it, and it was completely sold out. But what wasn't sold out was Plato Attraction, which I had no clue as to what was you know, but it was Michael Douglas. And my friend, he and I graduated together from anthropology. We hadn't seen each other in a while. And, and so we decided to go see a movie. And he looked at me, are you sure you want to watch that? And I'm like, well, uh, it sounds okay. I mean, it's Michael Douglas. How bad can it be? Well, the opening scene kind of taught me how bad it was. <laughs> so, you like bunny like, rabbits, don't you? You'll love it. I was I was traumatized because here I am with one of my best friends, not a romantic involvement, and there's a sex scene, you know, being photographed from the mirror up in the ceiling, and I'm like, what? <laughs> he was like, I tried warning you, <laughs> but it was still, but that was that was what was playing, you know, what opened with Beauty and the Beast, you know, it was f- adult fair because you know not everybody has kids. Not everybody wants to see a kid's movie. So, um, but most of the time, whatever opens, they're they're content to come in third because they know Disney's going to take the top two spots. <laughs> or it'll also be like one of the last um, Oscar movies of the season. Right, right. Yeah, it, that, that's when they'll have drop like the, uh, you know, the La La Land or something like that in there too, where going with the same theme, hey, we got the parents dropping the kids off this Disney jaunt. Let's do, you know, our little art house thing that we're going to put up for Oscar buzz. Well, here's another reason this just turns jaw-dropping. is because there has not been an animated film released since the summer. 
I mean, it's just the more I kept looking at this, the more <laughs> angles I saw. I was like, what in the hell happened here? So you've got, you know, Disney's Thanksgiving holiday. You've got a major budget animated release. Fans supposedly hungry for an animated film that hasn't been released. And, you know, like we said, Lightyear faded on them quickly and instantly in the summertime. It barely made over $100 million. I think it closed out at like 108 or 118 something like that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, in its, in, its op- in its opening week, it was $51 million, And that was also um, day-date because Lightyear was also dropped on Disney+. Plus. Right. So, yeah, okay, but to of get, course, get there's excuse-making like that, too. I've seen a lot of... Uh, Monday morning quarterbacking about you know oh well maybe maybe the people have been conditioned by streaming no no because you know what flies in the face of that you can't tell <laughs> yeah and okay so and to give that give context to this whole conversation last year's Thanksgiving was 27.2 million over the weekend forty for the five day over Thanksgiving for Encanto. Which which was actually lower than was projected, and sure. still beats what uh, what this. But this one was did. also last year was when theaters were still struggling to get people back. Right, and, right. Um, they the were they were show. getting to the point of you know theaters are opening and such, but they weren't drawing the people just yet. Right. So for that to trounce this movie on the same weekend is amazing, and. I find it funny that they're still blaming the pandemic for this loss. And I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not it. No, that's not it. And to, that's to, not it at all. I, I don't think we've actually described the actual hemorrhaging of this movie. Opening was 11.9 million with 18.6 over the five day. On a hundred million even, dollar film. Didn't even hit 20 million after five days on a holiday weekend. That's staggering. Now there's estimating this is going to lose a hundred million and that's generous because looking at just let's they're fudging numbers. We don't know what they spent on advertising because they trimmed that. Let's just go with a 200 million outlay. That's fair. Budget. I mean, that's, that's usually what Disney spends on their big animation of the year. So this has to make. 400 to 450 million before it breaks even. Yep. Got a long road. But you know what? Brianna Wu predicted this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was so beautiful. That was, um, well, just to give you an idea why this movie tanked. Okay. Lightyear in the summer became a lightning rod movie because it was featuring gay characters in it. Highly touted. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. Right. And families were like, <laughs> ain't bringing my kid to that sorry well and that's the thing is because they hyped that part of we talked about this over the summer too had they just left it alone and let the kids figure it out as they got older you know just have the scene in it and just don't acknowledge what it actually is because it, disney's famous for that you know just be dropping their subtle you know subversive bullshit into their cartoons and then when you get older you kind of chuckle at it you're like oh god that's cringe so that's- you know they've done before yeah I mean, they're, they're, like i said they're famous at it so disney could have just done that and nobody said dick about it and it would have been fine but they really touted the lgbt alphabet soup m-o-u-s-e 
bullshit in it. And that turned people off. They did it more so with Strange World because we're talking about they were hyping how oh it's historical. It's like, wh- how many times can a gay movie be historical anymore? What the possible <laughs> angle was historical about this one? Well, it was this a isn't gay teenager. anymore. But I, it's just I'm tired of all of this. Oh, this is the first time ever. I've, what? What? What have we not seen before? Right. This one apparently is an animated teenager who was gay. <sighs> okay, great. Fine. Okay. How many yeah. subcategories of gay do we have yet to go through? But how Degrassi? <laughs> oh my word! Don't even get me started on that damn show. <laughs> you know when that show started, it was like a comedy. Right. It was supposed to be like a comedy, like Safe by the Bell on PBS. That's what and it was. It became a long-running after-school special. And then it, yeah, with like sex and shit. And I'm going, you people are in ninth grade. I don't want my kids seeing that. I don't want anybody's kids seeing that. On a very special Degrassi <laughs> High. How is every week special anymore? It was it was ridiculous. I, I hated the turn that it took because if you watch the first season and compare it to the third season, you're like, who the hell are these characters? What happened? Did they get on meth? I don't know. It was weird. They're studying for their SATs and they're very stressed out, Aggie. Yeah, just whatever. If they had SATs start. in Canada, I don't know. For the college bound. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Ordy does make a great point. Disney is famous for their subtle imagery and their subtle, ima- uh, you know, signals that they put in their films about social mores and um, the the changing themes that we have in our culture. So they didn't need to do that with this one. They should have just left it. Had they just left it alone and not hyped it. People would have discovered it, and then those people would have said, "Hey, Disney is so forward by putting this new this character, you know, this obviously gay character in here, you know, that's that's you know, but they're not shoving it down my throat. I like that. That's great. You know, it would have been just fine." See, well, I'm mean, talking Disney about that. shoving it down the throat that you brought up Brianna Wu. This <laughs> I gotta read the tweet from her because it's. Both glorious obliviousness and underscores exactly why this thing failed like it did. But she starts off, is it she or they? Don't care. Um, If you you thought conservatives freaked out over Lightyear, we didn't. Basically pointed and laughed. But if you thought they freaked out over Lightyear, they're going to shit the bed over Strange World, which is great. So already, this is their... They're, you know, cause celeb right here, this movie. So she she explains basically now in the rest of the tweet why this thing tanked like it did. Main protagonist is gay, biracial marriage. Almost no one is white. Climate change metaphor and even the dog is disabled. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so here's what, getting back to the previous point real quick. Old Disney, with their, you know, little subversiveness, was a scalpel. Whereas Star Trek was a machete, New Disney is the fucking mallet from Donkey Kong. <laughs> yes. It's, um, but she lists out all these aspects of the film, which, you know, pick one, and, and they're all the opposite of clickbait. But this is the whole thing with this movie. 
scant advertising that it had and such. Up until this week after it was released, I had no clue what this thing was even about. Because all I heard was this. All of the social elements that are involved, all the historical aspects of this. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, you're right. They never touted the plot of the movie. The I whole re- there was no tagline. I had to research what the movie was about. And it's just emblematic of every part of this release being a problem. And at some point in time, you think Disney has got to pick up on this, right? You would think it, it's going to dawn on them. Well, not anytime soon. Because <laughs> with the release of this movie, the upper tier of Disney was going through massive upheaval as well. Now, we talked about this, I think, on the last show, because they had just taken place. We, yeah, it was like breaking news this happened good night y'all yeah it was like wait what basic i mean when you shock hollywood you're doing something significant and disney literally shocked hollywood two weeks ago when the ceo bob chapek was suddenly it wasn't even like you know we're going through some changes it was just like um by the way bob's gone and we're bringing the other bob back And the thing with that, too, is usually they'll like let the outgoing, you know, say, hey, you know, we had a great run. I'm really appreciative of my team. You know, some boilerplate fucking very proud to have been part of Disney. Now give me my golden parachute and I'll be on my merry. No, didn't even give him that. Just like get the fuck out. Yeah, they didn't give him a chance to say his goodbyes. There was no statement from uh, uh, JPEG. Nothing. He was supposed to appear to introduce something on stage and they announced it before he walked out and just escorted him out of the building. Mm -hmm. No parting words. No, uh, like you said, we we didn't get the studio boilerplate. Oh, we appreciated Bob's runner and he was fantastic at his job. So we had to get rid of him. None of that. He didn't get to say, I'm looking forward to the new opportunities in front of me today. Nope. Nothing. Gone. And just like that, Bob Iger is reintroduced to his old role. So, I mean, it was pretty much a shitstorm that, I mean, when the Hollywood studios are going, what in the hell's going on at Disney? <laughs> you know something well, screwed up. To be happened. fair, for the past 15 years, everybody's been wondering what the hell's been going on at Disney. But at least Iger would talk about what was going on at Disney. Jeffrey didn't even do that. He was... I, he would flip flop about certain things. He would uh, the the whole imbroglio with the whole "don't say gay" bill or whatever. That was well, we're that going was handled to get into that. so Definitely. so poorly by him. Because well, we've touched on all of this over the last year since Iger stepped down of all of Shapex's glory and missteps, and sometimes glorious missteps. <laughs> and, yeah. Every all, bit of yeah. this we have documented in depth over the last year, and it's just fascinating that it came to an end like this. Well, I think it, what we've been cataloging is that JPEG wanted to run the company, and the company wanted him to do virtue signaling bullshit. I mean, we, we yes. talked about this last year, I think, when he was first taking the reins, and people were already whispering that, you know, he's – 
he's not going to make Disney the way it should be. And we have to be careful of our social stance as a company. And, you know, he's trying to get things operational and, and yeah, turning he, a profit. You know, it's like we talked about. He came from parks. So right. parks needs to turn a profit. That's when you're running concession stands, you're selling merch, you're, you know, fixing yes. rides. You're, you're, you're the hands-on actual face of Disney because the two the most important ticket. things in the world are Disneyland and Disney World. Everything Damn. else is secondary. This is extremely true. My time, I did not spend that much time at the actual Walt Disney World Park because it was a short work study for me. Oh, speaking of, let me tell you, I got a little notice asking me to come back. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you want me to be, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> want me to be an intern, not paid? <laughs> 30 Wait, years seriously? after I was, oh, yeah. They sent out a <laughs> massive email looking for former interns to come back and be interns because they had a hiring freeze. The parks are not doing as well as they expected. There has been a lot of... Um, uh, Can't imagine why. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have been very reluctant to spend the money over at Disney because of what Disney has been doing in regards to the, like I said, the don't say gay bill, which doesn't say that. Um, the in, the inclusivity of LGBTQ in everything when LGBTQ does not comprise half of the population in the United States, you know, that, that kind of thing. So a lot of, I mean, I, I, I know parents that used to take their kids to Disney every year, starting year one as babies, they would take them to Disney all the way up until, Hey, let's celebrate your 21st birthday at Disney. These people have just decided, yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. They've I mean, I've talked about my, my my first wife and I were annual pass or were season were pass holders. We went at least once a month as adults, oh. just to I, you know. I yeah. used to I used to every six months I would earn two um, all day passes, and they never expired. Mine don't expire. Mine are still active. They changed the. Um, the pass is now for the Disney employees in the in the stores to where you have to use them within two years. But mine are, you know, they're forever passes. So I, I still have like six of those. The <laughs> longest like, golden tickets, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm like, I'm never going to use them. I, I might send them to my sister, but I just, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. They Disney has been so focused on growing one certain part of the population and being catering to that certain part of the population that they're missing, they're literally missing the forest for those few trees. You know what I think had happened? And you were probably working for Disney at the time or around that time. When they changed the Pirates of the Caribbean ride because some very vocal feminists boycotted outside of Disneyland and they took all the men chasing women out of that one pirate scene and made it men chasing women carrying plates of food. <laughs> I feel that so much better about time. pirates after <laughs> these cutthroat buccaneers that would slice anybody in half. At least they're treating their slave women nicely. Yeah. Right. There's respect. There's respect. We earned it. But, you know, it, it's funny because I, I did catch something that kind of like put my dander up. Somebody tried saying, well, this is not the first time that Disney 
has failed with a an animated film. Let's not forget the Black Cauldron. I'm like, you cannot put the two. No, that's no, not no, even no. comparing. The Black Cauldron was a very, it was beyond groundbreaking for the time. It was actually the first film to use computer animation. And it was also that, dark as fuck. It was, it was extremely dark. And it wasn't as dark as it was originally because they actually took out about 10 or 12 minutes. Jeffrey Katzenberg had a test screen of the completed film and the kids ran away. The kids got up screaming and ran away because it was that scary. And he decided we need to cut it back. And he actually, he told the editor, you need to edit this. And the editor said, we can't. So he took it upon himself to do it and then got yelled at by Michael Eisner. I said, you can't do it because of the way the editing was done. They had already put the music to the um, to every scene. So in order to edit that, then you have to like change the whole entire score. So they, that's why they couldn't do it. But the Black Cauldron was, there were a lot of mistakes done with that film. And yet when you take it separately, it's still a beautiful film. And now it yeah. has a cult following. Katzenberg was so upset about this movie that he, I, seriously, it took him years, but he finally got rid of that albatross with The Little Mermaid. Even though, you know, the great mouse detective did really well, the rescuers um, down under did really well and everything. But for him, that had been his albatross. He was always embarrassed about that film. You cannot compare the failure of The Black Cauldron in theaters to the failure of Strange World in theaters. Because, <laughs> because the, the, the failure of The Black Cauldron was that the target audience was not prepared for the grandness of the computer animation, the score, the storyline. Even though the stories were actually written for uh, preteens, they, they still were not ready for this. And it was literally the first PG animated film that Disney ever produced. So, you, you know, they learned from that pitfall and still managed to make it a success later on as a cult favorite when they re-released it. In, I think it was, what, 98? Yeah, that was when they, they, they brought it out of the vault. And that's when Disney actually gauges the success, the long-term success of their films is, okay, it did good now. How does it do 20 years from now when it comes out of the vault? Oh, I had people screaming to get this film. They could not wait. I mean, when Disney announced that the street date, you know, normally, you know, most people's street dates are Fridays. Disney's were always on Tuesday. Yeah. We were always three days before anybody else. So, I mean, we had the, the big thing out and the, the, the standees and everything with the, the black cauldron. The standees, yes. all the posters all in the windows, pre-sale available now. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. I must have pre-sold. When I, first, when I put that standee out there, that first day in that tiny store that I was managing at the time, I had, I think, about 120 pre-sales yeah. for that one film. And it was all older people who remembered when it came out, and they said, it scared the hell out of me, but I need it in my life. You're not going to get that with this strange world. You're not going to get that. And, and you know, it's kind of because if you remember the black hole when it came out, too, that was dark oh, yeah. for Disney, too. Oh, extremely. Oh, yeah. 
And that's when it came out of the vault. Everybody lost their fucking minds. They couldn't wait. I mean, just one, because of the cast, because half the cast members were dead. And two, just because it's like, oh, my God, I remember this. I need it in my life again. Yes. And this, I, I, I'm not kidding. I, I was one. I was one of those that was like, oh. oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, the black hole, the black hole. Because I, I remember my dad. Watched times on HBO when it was on there. Oh, yes. Same. Every time Watch it Watch it with on. an objective eye today, though. You're like, oh, this is. This is dog crap. Well, you know, but, but here's the thing. You have to have a willing suspension of disbelief and you have to put yourself back in that time so that you can appreciate how far the special effects had come and how beautifully. Oh, yeah, I, get that. I mean, when you're watching Tron nowadays, you're like, whatever. But if you put yourself <laughs> back. Which is in funny the because 80s, the original Tron was still better than the Tron sequel. Oh, Tron Legacy? Yeah, it was. Yeah. The special um, effects and everything, really. Yeah, I, I, I was. I remember watching it, and I remember when uh, he came up and and was talking to Jeff Bridges or whatever. And I'm looking around, going, "It looks like the set from 2001: A Space Odyssey." You know, the 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 bedroom furniture, mm-hmm. the light up everything, and the yeah. the lit floor. And I'm like, "Okay, this is pretty cheesy." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of people have a very I don't know. It's 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 almost like an attachment to things that were so revolutionary and that opened your eyes to new, you know, new, your new imagination, complete new imagination. And I think the black hole f- falls under that category. Black sure. Cauldron fell under that category. Tron mm-hmm. did too. So there is a special even attachment. Escape Witch Mountain and a little, you know. Oh my God, yes. And then when they redid it, I was like, why? Yeah, <laughs> you should have just left it alone. Doesn't have the it doesn't have the impact of Eddie Albert and a flying Winnebago. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just not buying it. It doesn't. It doesn't. So. I remember Kim Richards, yeah. Ike Eisenman. Those were the two kids. Oh my God, I still remember their names. So <laughs> when it comes to Strange World, you have um, so many. You you don't have the one. The wonder is taken out. Because you have to put in a disabled dog. You have to put in a gay character. You have to put in biracial couples. You have to put in, you have to put in so many messages in there that the true beauty of going out and exploring is completely hidden. It, you don't see it. A so lot of people are like, what, what is this movie about? Gonna go with- hmm? Movies like to have a story. Yes. Generally, yeah. Just the aspect alone is, uh, what's this thing about? Did you know there's gay people in it? Yeah, but what's it about? And a, and a biracial marriage. And it's okay. But did I'm you just, die? I'm gonna go watch Black Panther again, I guess. <laughs> but see, I mean, what does a biracial marriage have to do with exploring a new world? Nothing. What does Not a, a gay character have to do with exploring the world? Nothing. A disabled dog? Absolutely nothing. I probably, you know, if it, 20 years from now, I would probably still care more about the dog in Up than I would about the disabled dog in Strange World. True. I would have to agree. But uh, so getting back to the other thing, though, with the fire, firing of JPEG, we have to kind of um, analyze why. And 
you know, they're trying to sell it, which is kind of funny because Wall Street Journal contradicted themselves within a week. First, they sold it as, oh, it had to do with the bad earnings call. And, well, that doesn't ring true because, one, they just had a bad earnings call and you signed them to a new three-year contract. So I ain't buying that one. And then they said, oh, there was massive mismanagement with money. And that is to get in front of the story of Disney corporate having to report to the SEC. Now, one of the things, and this came from – Cameron uh, Pasha on uh, Midnight's Edge, where he posited, and I kind of agree with this, is that Disney went heavy into crypto because the only thing, the only thing that happened in the span of the bad earnings call and when the CFO went to the board and said, we got to get rid of JPEG, was the implosion of FTX. That's the only thing that happened in financial markets that would even bring any sort of panic anywhere on uh, this is actually kind of i can't say it rings true but it's like well that's yeah interesting timing right there yeah because what we're seeing with ftx is that nobody wants to talk about it well and now they're you know rehabilitating him already with his interview with george stephanopoulos you know, where he's just, you know, some misunderstood kind. No, no, fuck you. Okay, you're an MIT grad who you're you're a grifter. You, well, you want to see the uh, here's where the fix is it. They've got him coming out now and saying, well, yeah, I gave scads of money to the Democrats, but I also gave a lot of dark money, the same amount to Republicans. I've yet to see proof wait, of wait, that. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> so. You openly gave Soros level money to the Democrats, but you secretly gave it to the GOP. I'm calling bullshit. And, and even if he did, this is like with the Democrats who would spend money on the you know the insane candidates in the primaries of the GOP. You're you're the ones that you know would obviously lose against even a moderately sane Democrat. You know, it's the, the media likes to say it goes the America first candidates, but I mean, I'm not buying that. But just, you know, the they would give money to Republicans to the one who would obviously win the election. They gave the money to their opponent in the primaries. So, oh, I gave a lot of money to Republicans. Yeah, you gave it to the one the spoilers. Mm-hmm. Right. So even were that true, and I'm not buying that story. Um, well, I'll tell you why not to buy it is because if it were it even for close to the truth, the media would have been all over it already. Sure. That's that's just it. I don't I haven't seen anything about money being donated to the Republicans in that in that scale as it did to the Democrats. And just but what cracks few- me up again about Bankman Freed is that both of his parents are lawyers of corporate ethics. <laughs> Talk about rebelling against your parents. <laughs> Screw you, mom and dad. I, you know, it was funny because I was, um, I was out and about today, which is why it took me so long to get on Discord. Sorry, but I was listening to D- Dan Boncino, and he was talking about how he was listening to somebody talk about Bankman Freed, thinking, "Man, this guy has got to be some kind of evil genius." No, no, he's. He's pretty dumb. He's a dumb fraudster. I'm like, 
if he's that dumb, then somebody else was behind this operation because <laughs> it was huge. It was a massive scale. So, well, I was just theorizing on this that is Robbie level of yeah, like how he got away with this being like this, and I, I really think it's more a case of Wall Street approaching crypto in the same fashion that like grandparents approach a computer. Get the twelve-year-old; he'll fix it. Right. Oh, so they nice. just assumed he knew what he was doing. And the twelve-year-old's there to fix the six-year-old getting all the viruses on the computer. I mean, I just see this idiot going into the conference room after conference room and just dropping a bunch of crypto jargon on them. And they're oh wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Let's give him millions. Yeah, Stargate level techno babble that doesn't actually mean anything, right? Well, you no, see, the uh, crypto goes in a wallet, and therefore the blockchain is going to ensure that your overriding N- NFT investment aspects are going to roll. I have no idea what you said here. Here's the check. Fill it in. You know, that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, there's, um, if Disney was into this, then, yeah, that's. Um, it, well, and that's it, the thing it, is because we know Disney is a heavy donor to Democrats anyway. Sure. So yes. as is most and not just as a company, but also individually, you know, with the, the top. Yes. So, you know, the the in the argument that Pasha is making is that this is the CFO covering her ass and the asses of upper management who made the call. Because, again, and Brad, and I, you and I, t- you and I talked about this a little bit, too, is that everything Shapex is being blamed for was greenlit under Iger in the first place. Chapek's only been there a year. Mm-hmm. And even with the way he fumbled the Don't Say Gay bill, that was only after Iger shamed him on Twitter to do it. Because well, that's they were what I was going to get into. Stance. Because, you know, we've talked about this how Iger never really wanted to get away from the company. I think he yeah. had political ambitions. Well, he was going to run for president. Yeah, he he talked about that and other things maybe down the line. You know, like, oh, I'm I'm discussing things with the Democrats in the future, yada, yada. And either things didn't pan out or his wife said, oh, hell no. But he never could leave the company alone. He was always, you know, making comments about it, giving interviews here and there. But he, one, he installed JPEG. Yes. That was his idea. He was, he picked his successor. His guy. Yeah. By December of last year, he was done with them. He, they like they stopped talking. Like he kept criticizing Shapek after he was in the job, to the point that Iger was getting fed up with him not doing what Iger wanted him to do when Iger's not in the company anymore. Right? You you left, Bob. You went to you you wrote your fucking book, <laughs> and you let everybody know how you weren't a fan of Kathleen Kennedy in the first place, and how that she was a poison pill brought on to you by George Lucas because she was big into that. So you blamed all of Star Wars failure on her. And then now you are taking her side against Chapek because Chapek wasn't the puppet you wanted him to be. Well, this it, it was cracking me up because on Monday they actually gave a Disney town hall. Iger was addressing the, the company at large, he was in a, uh, I think he was in a live auditorium, but on top of that, they also, you know, video feed and he was taking some questions. He stated 
that they're going to be dedicated to inclusiveness. That's going to be the driving force of Disney. As the numbers come crashing in from Strange World, he's saying this. Right. And then he had the balls, and I'm going to say that, the balls to say that he regrets that the company was dragged into the Florida bill controversy. You're the one Wait, who drove He's him the in. one. <laughs> yes. He did it. <laughs> so, and I've covered this. We talked about it on this show, and I've written about it. When the bill came about, it, it started getting written around January of this year. There was some rumbling within Disney about it. You know, and, and the press, I remember, um, oh crap, I forget her name. Somebody at the rap, though, one of the entertainment writers in Hollywood started barking at Disney. They need to step up. They need to say something. They're tied into Florida and this whole thing. And Disney needs to make a stand for the sake of the kids and yada, yada. And JPEG's initial reaction was no, mm -mm, not touching that one. That is lava, and I am not walking on that floor. No. He basically, you know, they put out like a corporate statement of, you know, we support everybody's opinion, and we think everybody should have a right to something or other. It was about as milquetoast vanilla as you could possibly get. Non-committal, don't piss anybody off. Well, Yeah, we even made fun of it being so milquetoast it could have been written by a lawyer. It was like... (laughs) I mean, it was about 800 <laughs> words that said two sentences. Right. Not going to do it. And uh, we don't want to do it. But that's basically what it, Well, the employees got mad at this. He didn't take a big enough stand. He didn't say enough. Well, here comes Bob Iger. Sure. Well, wait, before Bob Iger, you also had the conservative employees of Disney going, yeah, we don't feel comfortable working here anymore the way you keep doing this shit. <laughs> well, yeah. They, uh, but they don't count, Ordy. No, they don't, because they're not conservatives. Aren't people? No, no. Uh, they believe in hateful things, like right. not teaching such children. Chicken. <laughs> so when this started to come out, finally it was around. Well, that was in February when it started to really brew, and then yeah. Iger chimes in. He goes on CNN Plus. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Chris Wallace and was saying that, you know, as a company, it's our, it's their responsibility. He had to like check himself, but uh, Disney has a responsibility to take a stand and the children have to be the focus and we need to make a stand for them. And I mean, he basically said, Disney has to get into this shit. And he even tweeted something out around the same time when uh, Joe Biden started belly aching about this and we're gonna make we're gonna go into florida and do what we have to do and bob Iger's like we're right behind you president yes we agree so bob Iger totally pushed disney into this yeah he shamed shapek into doing it i mean shapek was getting it from all sides from the inside employees and he was handling it great at the time too he's just like you know what no we're above all this we are disney we have no opinion we want everybody to be happy Everybody do your thing. We're good. Come to the parks. We like everybody's money. Yeah. Ariel's waiting for you. Come to the park. And as soon as they started weighing in on it, that's when problems began for Disney. We've cataloged this. I mean, the the backlash was instant. They're moving apart. They took all kinds of polls at the time. And people were like, no, who the hell are they? What the hell is this all about? No, stop it. (laughs) 
And I mean, there was backlash. And all of a sudden, they did not know what to do. And that things just started to spiral. And then the video comes out about all the employees, the, the producers in Disney saying, we're going to shove gay agenda items into all of our content where we can. Yeah, that one went over well. And I mean, poll after poll came out. They jumped on the don't say gay bandwagon, which was complete horseshit. And that only drove a further wedge between them and their customer base. Then they come out with Lightyear. Bombs. Yeah, I mean, it made fifty-one million total, and that was on day date. So that's theater plus. You know, we we spoke about it a little bit earlier. That's theater plus impressions on Disney Plus. So fifty-one million on that was the okay. You're right because that was the Pixar because that's Mm -hmm. Toy Story. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. A Pixar for $51 million? Yeah. No, yeah you would expect I, that from a Sony, but not a Pixar. I think with, with Lightyear, it was a double whammy, not just to include the uh, the uh, lesbian couple, but also the fact that they decided to go with a different voice for Lightyear. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of people got pissed off about that. Yeah, not using Tim Allen when he's still alive was a huge mistake. Very, very big mistake. And again, that was a political decision. That was not an artistic decision. Right. And uh, and there was blowback for it. I personally, for me, it wasn't that there was a lesbian couple in it that would have put me off. It's the fact that they did that with Lightyear, that they took away Tim's role because he's the one that made Buzz Lightyear. He brought him to life. Yeah. And gave it to somebody else who was politically correct. And I was like, it would be yeah. like, you know, using if if Tom Hanks was a conservative, using somebody other than him for Woody, you can't do that. No. Yeah, it's not. And the thing is, it's not like the characters were pro- political; they were toys. Yeah. No, the producers were political. The yeah. Correct. But it's just throughout the year that this is the kind of thing that disney's been doing stupid decisions so they get in on the don't say gay bill fight which ends up passing anyway and more polls showed people supported the bill than opposed it despite what the media wanted to tell us so there's this is disney actively pushing away its own audience continuously disney has spent the last five years because you can even look at the current phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Disney sequels and everything. That is just quarter after quarter after quarter into the dick-punching machine. Yes. <laughs> and they didn't need to. For no. For decades, Disney has been at the forefront of, um, you know, gay rights. I remember, and this was before I even went to college, Disney decided to um, recognize domestic partnerships for their health insurance they decided to do all of this stuff and they they would have a gay day basically for yeah, um, at the parks you know, at disney yeah. at the parks they i mean seriously they they went further than most um private companies in recognizing uh gay partnerships and everything they didn't need to be like this we already knew that they were very gay friendly we i've always known that they were gay friendly sure. but 
Now it's almost they're militant with it. See, and that's the thing. That's why you never bend the knee. Because it doesn't matter that you're gay friendly. It doesn't matter that you're an advocate. It doesn't matter that you're an ally. Unless you are proactively shouting it from the rooftops, you're a bigot. Yeah, it's the same thing with Chick-fil-A. I know several kids who happen to be gay that work there. I know one kid who is, well, I call him kid. He's actually 22. And he's in the process of becoming a she. And he works at Chick-fil-A. I, yeah. And he has absolutely no problem with it. He, it's a great company. He gets Sundays off. <laughs> He's he totally on board with it. He got a scholarship to go to college from Chick-fil-A. But because Chick-fil-A does not bend that knee, that's what they target. You know what amazes, has always amazed me about that is that you never see that blowback for In-N-Out. It's like nobody's ever looked at the bottom of a beverage cup from In-N-Out. <laughs> I've never been. What did they say? It, there's uh, a Bible verse, you know, like John three six, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah, and they're very they're very famous for like if you're down and out, and you walk into an in and out, and you like just you've got change in your pockets, you know, like maybe thirty eight cents, and you drop it on the counter, they'll give you a burger and a water. Yes, I so, knew that part. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, no, it's, they, they've got little hidden messages on their products too of Bible passages. So yeah, but you never hear that, you know, you, because they're a California company, and you're never going to see a star boycott in and out. No. Well, here was another move that Disney made was when the Roe versus Wade rollback was being proposed they were one of the companies that come out and said that they would give employees a trip to go get an abortion that's family friendly that's you know know what that's doing that's eliminating future you're killing off your customer base literally killing off your future park visitors (laughs) but this is what they don't seem to realize for whatever reason when you drive away families okay we're gonna put gays in this movie great we're not gonna come see your movie well it's not just the parents that aren't going. It's the five-year-old not going, who is a future customer. Who's also gonna, wants the merch. I mean, yeah. I'll, you know, I, I loved watching Monsters, Inc. I didn't run out and buy a Scully toy. I guarantee you a million children did, though. Sure. And if a kid doesn't go see the movie, they're not clamoring to get the toy. And they're not going to have that on Christmas list and, you know, that kind of thing. So... Yeah. What the hell is the company thinking by doing this? Because once you hook the five-year-old, four-year-old in, you got them. You know, it's it's in my house. It's why I have Disney Plus, because I can't get rid of it. So, okay, going along this line, though, with you not seeing the forest for the, tree, for the trees. We've all seen Black Panther 2, right? More or less. We all know what it's about. No. Yes. Sure. Okay. If you were a kid... Was there anything in that movie you'd want an action figure for? Uh, beyond Black Panther itself, I don't think so. Right. Just saying it. Because, I, I mean, I've, I've got a Petri dish here in my house. They took the four-year-old <laughs> to McDonald's about a week or two ago. And she was upset because she didn't get the Black Panther toy in the Happy Meal. It was one of the other characters. So that bears it out right there. Okay. It's not Black Panther. Like, who right. is it? I don't know. <laughs> See, there you have it. And she hasn't even seen the movie, but she knows who Black Panther is. Right. 
So our producer is asking us if we want to take a break, and we've actually gone an hour, and that we're not even – we've barely scraped the content that we have prepped for the show. We've we still got plenty to go on the Disney stuff too, so yeah, we can do I that. Know. We can break I, it. I talk a lot. No, 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 no. This is I'm what we God, do. God, Aggie. <sighs> don't throw your hair back at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we will uh, we'll adjourn for 2 minutes 47 seconds. 3 minutes 47 I'm waiting to get notice of what the actual time is, but okay. But uh, suffice to say, you've got plenty of time to go get yourself some refills because we'll be doing that as well. And when we come back, we'll delve into more of this important entertainment side of life here on The Culture Shift. In three minutes and 54 seconds. Dude, change it every week.
come back to me for a job. You all made your beds. Now sleep in it. And welcome back to the culture shift. As me and Ordy Packard are welcoming in Aggie Reekin, a Disney yes. expert to you sit in. You just call me Aggie, Brad. We've been together for how many years and you still do Aggie Reekin? <laughs> yep, we don't need to be formal here. Okay. <laughs> it's how I got to know you. You're, uh, this is true. It's a composite of your personality. See, sí, better that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? Since you did that, and since because of the music we play at break, I had forgotten the song existed. Concrete Bond, Mexican Moon is an actually beautiful song. Check it out after you're done listening to us, and then you go over and you listen to uh, Jeff's YouTube show panel he's doing tonight with a, a Manorama. Then after that, listen to Concrete Bond, Mexican Moon. Noted. Anyway. I literally wrote it down. <laughs> I did. I I'm. I did. I, I I take my musical cues from you because you you and I have like a similar thing going. And that's nice. That's awesome. Now, I am a little bit less bossa nova, but um, you know. Yeah, you can't have it, too much bossa nova. No, that this is true. You know, you can never have too much bossa nova. <laughs> when it comes to, yeah, Brad and I same wavelength, but there's another wavelength of like. The obscure that I like to, you know, that I dig, you know, like, I mean, seriously, Mike Goldfield, who listens to Mike Goldfield? Everybody knows him from Tubular Bells, but that's it. Right. But he's had like, what, 50 year career <laughs> making music. <laughs> he's done more than just Michael Myerstein's guys. I know. I have all of his albums. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you like guitar, he literally has an album that's just guitars. And that's the name of it, guitars. It is absolutely stunning. And it's just acoustic guitar. It's really cool. Highly recommend it. You know, I was thinking about today, too, on the write-up. I was listening to uh, uh, First Wave on XM. And I'm sad Jeff isn't here for the conversation because he, he's a sax player. And, you know, we always joke about uh, the sax in Al Stewart versus Jerry Rafferty's sax. But the sax in... Any random fucking Duran Duran song, mm -hmm. oh, especially Rio. Rio. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that one, Save a Prayer. Yeah. Has a good sax. Chauffeur is my favorite. Chauffeur. Of all Duran Duran songs, Chauffeur is my favorite. And that was on a B side, too. A lot of people don't know mm -hmm. that. So. I, it's funny because I prefer a lot of the b-sides especially like asia when they were releasing and they released the, the you know whatever was on the b-side of their single that was the one that i was more attracted to most of the best cure songs are b-sides yep so True. getting back to more disney fuckery though because holy <laughs> shit talk about so a bad yeah the um the disney fiasco continues but um just to give an indication of how tough things are there, for the year, their stock price is off by over 33%. Hemorrhaging one-third down. This thing was uh, cruising at about a buck fifty plus a share and now is trading well below 100 And for Iger to come in in the fashion that he did is an indication of absolute utter panic. And, uh, you know, it could be an F, some kind of FTX emergency attached to it. 
I think there's a lot of into it because I think a lot of, they had a lot of money into that. I really believe I, I'm that theory makes the most sense to me because, as we said, they're dem donors. If FTX was balls deep into dem contributions, and Disney was heavily leveraged in them, expecting a payback that they never got because dude just bounced with the cash. Yeah, because I think. It also makes sense because this FTX thing is affecting so many on the left. I mean, it's major donor to the Dems, as we've talked about, but also widespread throughout the media complex. I mean, it's a number of outlets. That's why they're not covering it the way they were. If Merrill Lynch were to do this, if Merrill Lynch were to go down like this, because this FTX has taken so much of the... I don't want to say it was the shady aspect of the crypto market because they weren't really shady, but it was companies that didn't really have a strong foundation. It's the ones that are still around, like Coinbase, SmartFi, and some other exchanges, Uphold, Gemini, because they believed in the product. And even Coinbase, you know, their bonds are not looking so great, but you know, bond market on crypto, that's a gamble on top of a gamble. Right. But you're still looking at it as that. Yeah, they actually believed in the future of cryptocurrency. They believe in what it stands for, where FTX and BlockFi and the other ones, they were using it as a vehicle, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and it, you know, the, well, the reason FTX blew up is it directly reflected on crypto it's their management or lack thereof i mean they just took all the money in a pool and pulled it out and used it for all kinds of fuckery right without i mean there were people that read the uh 30 page court document behind this and were just marveling at how this company even operated well and the other thing that leads credence to the theory that Disney being have is that a bizarre ruling by the judge, and this is kind of unheard of when you have financial chicanery like this, is that the judge said the top investors, the top um, money crypto holders in FTX would be allowed to remain anonymous through the court proceedings. (laughs) Kind of like the Epstein Island list. Yes, very similar. And so, this is why we're not seeing the widespread panic, because notice how we don't hear any of the hysterical lectures coming out from Congress or the media. Oh, this is a indication of capital, and, and the 1% is raping the other people, and all of these other proclamations. We're not hearing any of that. Everybody yeah. who has used crypto as a foil for the last five years is remarkably silent on this topic. I mean, it, you know, that whole money market has been under heavy criticism from various sectors, Wall Street and elsewhere. Janet None Yellen, of them are barking. If, if this was actually a palms up run, Janet Yellen would be using this as the quintessential, see, I was right about crypto. She hasn't said a fucking word about it. No. So, yeah, if Disney is up to their sphincter in the crypto problem, it would not shock me in the least because Iger was going to run as what? A Democrat. So it seems like he 
was rushed back into production. If, if FTX is the player that suspected that he knows the right people to get them through this is what it feels like. Yeah. So, so. Th- this is a company that is, <laughs> I mean, it, for how long has it been the powerhouse of Hollywood? I mean, they've just ruled the roost. It's like basically when you covered Hollywood, it was like, okay, besides Disney, what's going on? You know, that kind well, of thing. And we joked about that in 2021 is that there was very rarely a week that we didn't lead with or spend the bulk of our time talking about Disney. And usually it was for the good because they between Disney Plus, Marvel and Star Wars at the time, um, they could do no wrong. And then all of a sudden. But they're even doing it on Disney Plus with more and more releases going woke. I mean, they're. Their attempt at what Captain Marvel was a 14 year old mixed race individual. (laughs) Okay. She Hulk has become an utter punchline anymore. Ironheart. (laughs) About the only thing they're crowing about at Disney Plus is Hocus Pocus 2. (laughs) Yeah, that actually. Well, you know, the original film did really well, and it still has a cult following. And back to nostalgia, like we talked about before. But that yeah. you know, that was a that was a slow burn nostalgia. That was a meme yes. that became a love affair. It it did it did, and I I kid you not. When I was still in my rock painting group uh, for Halloween, a woman painted twenty flat rocks with themes from that one movie. And the the rest of the people in that rock group went batshit insane trying to find these rocks. I mean, (laughs) she was, you know, she posted a picture of them. It's like an NFT. Yeah, seriously. She posted a picture (laughs) of them and she said, I'm dropping these off at this park, this park and down street, you know, downtown uh, Main Street. And I'll, I'll do that, you know, on my walks tomorrow. Can you tell me the time? Can you tell me where? I mean, she had so many people on that on that post asking where she was going to be. And normally I would take my walks at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I went and I parked my car. There were women already waiting. Not kids. There were women waiting for these rocks to be hidden somewhere in the park. And I'm like, you people need to get a life. Yeah, NFT stands for, the F stands for Feldspar. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a, completely ridiculous, but the, I'm, I'm telling you. It, they, what it what you're describing would be like if Elon Musk suddenly said, hey, I'm getting into geocaching. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would, I think people would just lose their ever-loving minds if he did that. Well, I mean, on the... Uh, FTX front, did you see that story that broke and then blew up? Business Insider puts a piece out that Bankman-Fried had 100 million shares of Twitter that he was trying to convert with the help of Musk. And you know, okay. Musk came out and said, well, basically, these were all conversion notes that anybody that invested in the company could do. And he was entitled to it if he wanted to, just like everybody else. And he never did. So your story's complete horseshit. 
And Business Insider comes back bragging about how they did not do journalism. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, you know, for the record, we got this story from Semaphore. And, uh, you know, know, we We did say allegedly. Yeah, it was something to that effect. And, um, you know, and then they said, you know, we we're just having all kinds of fun doing stories about you. So we're going to keep doing them. It's like stories, huh? Not reporting. And uh, I'm sorry, you said you got this from Semaphore. Semaphore reported on his involvement with FTX because that's a brand new upstart company that was mostly funded from FTX. (laughs) They already stepped on their dick when they had to explain that away. Oh, no, no. Uh, Yeah, he invested it, but um, that was all liquid cash. So we're we're in good state. There's no problem there. It's like, oh, so the FTX company. Oh, so it wasn't that, in crypto, but it was in cash. So basically, yeah. he converted his crypto to cash, and the crypto titan gave you hard currency for your investment. That's what you're saying. Got it. Sure, that's what happened. Okay, but they're the assholes that are trying to slam Elon Musk for his involvement with FTX when he was not, and they are. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, you know, my favorite assholes? thing about Musk right now is that apparently the left doesn't believe there's such a thing as a left-leaning libertarian. Meanwhile, courting Ansox, a macro-socialist, if you don't know the terminology. Um, yes. but, so, so Antifa left-leaning libertarians is okay, but center-left libertarians like Elon Musk are a unicorn or a clitoris. actually i think the i would say the media closely assimilates to a clitoris because that's an organ that has about eight thousand nerve endings and they're even more sensitive that's true thank you drive safely I, 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 I don't know what I can contribute to this line. Of- Enjoy the veal. <laughs> Agree. Midnight, got to be 21 for the second I, I'm, I'm like, well, on the one hand, it is true. On the other hand, I should I be offended? <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'll be honest, it, it takes a hell of, I don't think I've ever been offended. I, I, I'm proud to say I take after my father in that regard. <laughs> And just for the record, I am a biologist. <laughs> well, I think uh, we probably should move on because we could probably do about three shows on Disney here. So, just, uh, but there's other we, news, and it's not just about Disney. Yes, so let's is. let's get over the failure here and move on to another failure. CNN. I just love these guys so damn much, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Before we um, move on, just let me remind everybody that I have said this about David Zaslav a dozen times. He does not fancy himself the owner of a whorehouse. <laughs> then why did he buy one? Well, <laughs> he wants to do the news. <laughs> this is going to be a property flip. <laughs> We're going to take this cat house and turn it into a mansion. <laughs> but yeah, they're uh, they're in the process of doing a bunch of stuff there at uh, CNN. So the the word came yesterday, official note from Chris Licht that uh, the promised layoffs 
that he's been talking about are going to actually start taking place yesterday. So started cutting loose a bunch of uh, the paid contributors. We haven't gotten the full list of that just yet. And then today they started hitting internally. Over a headline news, uh, they're going to start getting rid of all live content over there. I wasn't even aware that thing was still going. I, the only reason why I know is because SE Cup um, still has a job. Is that still going? I know they tried to put her over there for a while. I didn't know that was still happening. I thought she was over there. I mean, I mean, she very well could be. I just don't know. <laughs> I couldn't even find the, headline news if I wanted to right now. The, the last time I knew anything about headline news was when Nancy Grace and Glenn Beck were still on it. That's the last time I even looked to see if that was in my cable package. Yeah, I mean, Nancy Grace was kind of their uh, – she was keeping the place afloat, and then they can. <laughs> Kept trying all kinds of other things, like uh, live mystery shows at night, and I think they even tried a game show at one point. They kind of like how the channel actually. I I love Nancy Grace. (laughs) (laughs) She's so. I don't know. There's just something so overly rich about her, like in rich, like in, like in heavy cream rich. Oh, she is tiramisu. She is the tiramisu of night of. is she Girl not? Crime. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, she's it. like the true crime Paula Dean. Well, yeah. well, well you know, she, she writes the Haley Dean books. Okay. And I did I not know that. Col- yeah, it's a collab. But they've been picked up by Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, and they're made into a series. And she has cameos in every movie. And she's hilarious. She loves to absolutely lampoon herself on them. It's great. Seriously, you should check out, just do it. I'm sure they're on YouTube, her little clips from every single uh, film that she, she's been in. She's hilarious. But yeah, she takes, she knows that people make fun of her, so she takes that to another level. She's, it, it, she learned from William Shatner. So yeah. <laughs> she's no, elevated herself. Actually, you know, we got a Shatner story later, too. But no, that's totally, yeah. When, when, you, when you move beyond your ego, like Shatner has, and like you say, Nancy Grace has, and it, it, yeah, that's that's another level of stardom. That's when you've got fuck you money. Yeah, she does. She now does. But you know, she's very, um, she's very passionate about the 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 whole crime work that she does. So, um. oh yeah, no, 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 I don't think she's gripped. I mean, I mean, she may be over the top about it, but she's, you know, trying to do good. Yeah, she sells it. She, mm-hmm. She's uh, doing she really something. Does. That's you know, best of both worlds, really. I don't know how she's being affected by these layoffs yet. I guess that's going to be something we'll have to find out. But CNN is going uh, – basically, they're going hacksaw on the whole thing, and they're cutting a number of talented individuals away, including – pause as I wipe a tear – Chris Saliza. You know, let me just say for the millionth time that journalists don't take a side. Yeah. Bill, billionth, Gordy, billionth. Billionth, okay. <laughs> but uh, so, okay, we, we've joked about it over the last few episodes. First, we lost Tater. And oh, strangely, we got sense. we got to keep Tater taut. I don't <laughs> know how Oliver Darcy has kept his job. Then Jake Tapper got moved from primetime back to daytime. Yeah. Which, shot in the fruit. Um, because I, I used to really like Jake, and then 
Trump ruined everybody. Yeah. So same. (laughs) I mean, he's. This is how bad it was. They they put him into prime time and they said. This is so Jay can work through the election and then we'll find out if, you know, he becomes more permanent after the fact. Didn't even make it to the election. Brought him back to 4 p.m. It's like, oh, Jake, not working out, buddy. Let's uh, cut back to the uh, other studio, if you would, please. But, uh, yes, Chris Saliza, this amazed me. This amazed me today. Not that he got fired. Sad that he got fired, though. Love the guy. Well, yeah, because it's content for you. I put out a piece today just going through all of the stuff I could find of his that were just trademark crystalliza only i only started in like january 21 and i had to stop myself because i was at like 1500 words i just kept finding more and more and i mean i just bullet pointed i wasn't even going into detail it was just here's no I, I, I read the piece yeah you didn't like highlight you just said here's the link here's the link here's basically 1500 word listicle the, yeah, the, the rift yeah <laughs> I, I just like yikes it, and it's like oh there's another one. Oh, hell i remember this one. Oh crap i forgot he said that too i mean one uh, of my uh, favorites was after we were coming out of the pandemic last fall and college football began he laments all the crowds and all the people gathering again it's like oh this we're never going to get over this are we about 36 hours later, he had video from the Wisconsin game and was raving about it. It's just so fabulous to see this again, and you can't watch this without being energized. It's like, dude, it was – I did a side-by-side. It was, this is you. This is you 36 hours later. What up? And you know, it's great for that. As lol cows go, he gave the sweetest cream. <laughs> He was uh, he was all over Andrew Cuomo to love the guy. And when he finally got nailed, like dead to rights, we have all the evidence. Here it is. Chris goes back and deleted all his tweets involving Cuomo. Like just, you know, I think I think my my favorite one was where he said, I didn't say that. And you said, "Um, yeah, here's where you said it (laughs) in your own. (laughs) It was in his newsletter. In your yeah, in your own newsletter. <laughs> he was raving about how Kamala Harris was going to go help the opponent, Terry McAuliffe, who was going after Glenn Youngkin. He's like, she's bringing her magic. I was like, Kamala Harris has magic, really? <laughs> and I tweeted that out to him. And he's okay, like, first of all, she's Jamaican, so it would be voodoo. You <laughs> insensitive bigot. <laughs> and, he like jumps out at me. He's like, um, I did not write that. Um, dude, it was your newsletter. You weren't <laughs> quoting somebody else. It was the header. You know, he was like featuring a piece from a guy at CNN, but the header said Kamala's magic in Virginia. <laughs> and then he got into the body to he's like, you wrote it or somebody else at your newsletter wrote it. One of the two deleted. <laughs> Yeah, he's just good for that kind of magic. The thing that amazes me about journalists at large, and specifically CNN talking heads, they just, the day zero goldfish brains don't realize that the internet is forever. 
-hmm. There is a screen grab. There is always a screen grab. There's always a Wayback Machine. Well, one of the articles you dropped to me, um, dropped on us today. Hang on a sec. I actually, it was, it was deleted and I had to go to the Wayback Machine to get it. Um, damn, I lost it. It was one of the Disney articles we were talking about. Uh, oh. It had been it had been deleted, and the only resource I could find for it was the Wayback Machine. Huh. Curious, right there. But yeah, th- he he deleted his Twitter history on Andrew Cuomo, except he also wrote extensively about Andrew Cuomo at CNN, which was not deleted. <laughs> so that's on the record there, Chris. This is one I think that kind of embodies him, if there ever was like. Recently, he proposed that, you know, he had the uh, formula to make America's cities better. We can do so much better. Oh, I remember that. If we just follow the blueprint of Wakanda. The xenophobic, patriarchal combat Thunderdome for leadership society. All we need to do is get a vibranium reserve and we're going to be golden. Excellent. He, um... He wanted to address the fact, I think it was in February, where Joe Biden was really coming under fire, even from the Democrats, because they wanted to replace him. So he says, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Here's why. He came up with a restaurant metaphor. So this is what he says, quote, now consider that the same scenario of switching presidents, except that when you are halfway done with a too fishy fish. The waiter comes over and says that they would be happy to exchange your fish for the chicken entree. Now, you've already chosen the fish over the chicken for some reason. Maybe you didn't like how it was prepared, or maybe you didn't like the feel of chicken at the time. You are far more likely to stick with the fish in this scenario. (laughs) That's profound. So Joe Biden is a spoiled fish entree. Chris is what you're saying. And we're going to keep that because chicken is too hard to order. I don't <laughs> just thank you, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to literally miss reaching at straws. I'm going to miss this guy. I mean, there's just, I got a ton of them. If, um, oh, VIP. he'll get a sub stack. Don't you worry. But this is the part that killed me though. Um, I think at some point today, he put something out there. He had an eight, figure salary wow explain that please my brain just vapor locked processing that say that again (laughs) over 10 million annual for chris saliza who does not have his own show you're on air i never watched cnn enough was he just the newsletter guy they would bring him in for segments on various shows. Sure. But he was no, he didn't have his own show. He, he had his newsletter. Um, I think two or three times a week, he would put out like a video blog. Um, and then show up on various programs with his little nuggets and stuff. So that is definitely skeletons in the closet shit right there. I, I mean, one of his videos, I remember, he was uh, giving Aaron Rodgers the business because he didn't want to get vaccinated. He's like, no, no, I, you know, I looked into it and it's not for me. I don't think it's a good idea for me to get one. So he's railing again, people that 
do their own research. You people don't know what you're talking about. And then he unspools a bunch of facts. And at the end of it says, go look it up. <laughs> do your own research. Um, bear in mind in the same video, after telling people to follow the science and follow medical technicians, he gave Ted Cruz a ration of shit for daring to criticize vaccine advice from Big Bird. From Big Bird. I'm going to miss you, Chris, and I mean it. I'm going to miss you. More I, than like I stoked. said, he's, he's going to get his own sub stack. He'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know, the low cow, <laughs> he's going to take his sweet cream to another venue. That's all. <laughs> I know, but it was just, you know, I was a subscriber and everything. So he was just, every so often it's like, man, a little bit light on content today. I wonder what Chris is doing. And I go through the time. Oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> there it is. That dependable. I, I mean, I tried not to rely on him too much, but uh, yeah, that well, was. I mean, yeah, I mean, you leaned heavily into Tater and now Tater's gone. So, I mean, he was. No, I actually didn't either. I, I, made a conscious effort to steer he like he would have to jump at my attention for me to write about him after a while well the thing is that he actually literally jumped on you anytime you did write about him well it's just that that was hilarious too when i you know started my column it was kind of the go-to not just just like a jumping off point really but i was like i i can't bitch about him if i'm gonna be here so i can't report on him too much i didn't want to do the fox thing but that's kind of what Oliver Darcy is doing. He's segued now from Fox to Twitter. He's just obsessed with Elon Musk anymore. I, really quick, we got to go back to Tater, though. My favorite thing was when he, like last week, was blasting Fox News for something. And I'm like, you know you are not contractually obligated to watch Fox News. <laughs> it's beautiful. He does it for free. He has to get a new fix. He can't afford the name brand heroin fix anymore. He has to get the generic, but he's still doing it. I kind of laughed yesterday. He said that, um, put out a tweet that was a big announcement that one of the commissioners on the January 6th committee made the announcement on the morning show that they're about to release their findings to the public. And I was like, great. The committee that nobody cares about made the announcement on the show that nobody watches. Okay, so this just got dropped in the chat. Um, this came in a couple hours ago. Um, on top of Chris, they fired correspondents Allison Kosk, Alex Field, uh, Martin S- whatever, uh, Robin Mead, and scrapped all of Headline News's live programs. Right. Wow. Oof. Yeah, they're uh, they're in the process of cleaning house with a snow shovel. Kill it with fire. Thanks, Danielle, for that link. Oof. That's what I, think, I saw earlier, but know, uh, Chris was kind of the uh, the marquee name, as it were. Well, which is which weird because he doesn't actually have a show. He's not a marquee. <laughs> That's the well, thing no, that... he doesn't have a show. He just has brand recognition. And I think CNN trying to come back to the center. I think that's why I think Nancy Grace is safe. She does bring in the viewership. She sticks to the the, the topic at hand and she doesn't politicize um, crime the way, you know, they used to on CNN. 
that is just pure money yeah well i i honestly think what happened was that chris licked who's the new ceo of cnn that he was going through the numbers and looking at everything and it's like wait a second we're paying him 10 million dollars right yeah, that one can that one we could cut loose. I think we can save some money there. Well, you know, it, you know, it has been the commissary if we get rid of Chris. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, with CNN, it just I doubt that most millennials, even Gen Z, remembers what HLN stood for, which was headline news. They don't have yeah. news anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> They really don't. MTV doesn't I have think, videos. Headline news doesn't have news, and the Learning Channel is all Law and Order. You don't learn a fucking thing from it. So, no. and I think he's trying to bring that back. So, yeah. but if he wants to bring it back, he has to get rid of everything that made CNN as toxic as it is right now. So right. he wants to, you know, clean the slate and start anew. I don't blame him, and it, it is. It, it is what it is. I mean, it, if you're there to actually try and make that venture, you know, make money and actually be what it was, come back to its roots, then, yeah, you have to clean clean house. Well, yeah, I think I wrote about it yesterday and I said it's either going to be a case of them remodeling or doing a complete rebuild. And I believe we're trending towards the latter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Make James Earl Jones's voiceover mean something again. <laughs> well, th- here's... um. Bring here's, back them hiding under the de- the table in Israel as scuds are falling around. This was the piece of evidence I had here. Uh, somebody on Twitter was responding to a tweet that Saliza put out there. And he says, I'm going to pay someone to hit me in the head with a brick and just wait to be offered a six-figure media talker job. And Saliza comes back and said, try eight figures. <laughs> so, <laughs> damn, I'm sorry. That just blows my mind if he was getting paid that kind of juice for that kind of content. <laughs> Too damn funny. Well, I think if we're going to be on the topic of... Uh, walking disasters we can bring up will smith and he's got a new movie coming out does he mm-hmm. he, does. he does next friday via apple plus but released in theaters so he doesn't really have a new movie coming out comes emancipation a civil war slavery drama based on real events shot in black and white in other words Oscar this is the part that I find amazing. I've seen a number of ads for this. While watching Yellowstone on Peacock. Um, and at the end, it's black screen Apple Plus logo. No mistake. Okay. It is. So they're doing a big ad buy. But... I mean, I, is, doesn't this strike you as a little odd in the streaming world? Not that Apple would advertise on them, but that Peacock would accept an ad from a competitor. Are they really, though? 
Well, I mean, I give Paycock a lot of shit at the beginning, but they are successful. Apple Plus, not so much. Though one of the things we didn't talk about with the whole Disney thing, too, the other rumors in the water is that the only company in the world that has the capital to buy Disney if they are going under because of the FTX thing is Apple or Elon Musk. Well, there's been talk of Disney buying out Apple. But then let's get the other way after this whole thing. But anyway, getting back to maybe maybe with the stock price t- taking by a third, that could be yeah. Yeah. That could be like when Budweiser was going to buy InBev and then they tanked and InBev was like, oh, the dollar crashed? We're going to buy you some bitches instead. <laughs> right. to get it. So Chuckles the South African brewery. I just uh, I, I just found it confusing, though, that uh, when you're fighting for viewership on streaming services that you would be willing to tempt people to go to another streaming service. Hey. <sighs> Yes, but I think that we've all, I think we've come to acceptance in our lives that, you know, you you can have more than one streaming service and you don't, you know, don't be so attached to things. So, you know, if Peacock can say, you know what, after you've digested all of our content, you can go over to Apple Plus and watch this movie that's Oscar bait. And then just remember, you come back to us for the Summer Olympics in 2024. Well, I guess the, I guess the fact we're talking subscriptions makes a difference. Yeah. But um, in promoting his film, Will Smith is uh, doing the junket thing right now. So he's uh, you know, bouncing around doing interviews, and I almost want to say to his credit, but not really because it's almost unavoidable, but he has to sort of kind of address the issue of the Oscars. Because, you know, let's recall if people have forgotten and hey, if you, uh, if you have my wife's name off your lips. Yes. This was the Will Smith who marched up on stage and proceeded to bitch slap Chris Rock in front of, I don't know, Billions or worldwide audience, let's just say that. Literally dozens of them. Yeah, do- a dozen million, yeah. <laughs> yes. it, was, it was deeply important at the time. So so he's promoting this movie. Uh, went on, I, I got to be honest, I'm not dead on familiar with this one. It's co- the show is called Good Day DC. I guess maybe a morning show, entertainment show in the it nation's capital. It really sounds like the name of a sitcom. But he's, you know, sitting in his home doing the remote interview with the guy that's sitting in his studio. Looks like Zoom call, basically. Bringing up the episode, this is what Will Smith says. I completely understand that if someone is not ready, I would absolutely respect that and allow them their space not to be ready to see my film. He's allowing us not to see his film. We have Will Smith's permission not to watch his movie. How? Unequivocally magnanimous of him. This is is a man that has an unbelievable ego. I mean, I remember... Remember when Wild Wild West was coming out? God. Oh, yeah. I know. I heard that. I heard that already. And he was asked, literally, as like, what do you need to have a blockbuster in the summer? You know what his answer was? His answer was... Me. Which, that was okay. his answer. At the time, 
That yeah, was a and fair it bombed. Answer. But it bombed. And it bombed. Hey, you know what? That actually that actually damaged my respect for Kevin Klein. Because yeah. after Fish Called Wanda and Dave, for that to have happened. Well, yeah, and don't forget January Man, which was actually a sleeper that most people didn't even pay attention to, but it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good movie. <laughs> it, I, was. it was. It was a really good movie. But yeah, after that, he goes to do this. And I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't do this. And Wild Wild West should have just been the easiest and Kenneth, movie to be. And Kenneth yeah. Branagh, of all people? Yeah, right. that should that have been. Easy, that should have been an easy home run. Yeah, and it wasn't. They, Popular they, they, franchise, big name actors. It got over. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, do we need a screenplay? Nah, we got a nah. and, and then he did, you know, he and one of the other movies that he did with was his son, After Earth. I think it was called. Yes. Oh, that, God, was, that was fucking terrible. That was that was awful. And, you know, but he. It, it, you know, at seven pounds, you know, the pursuit of happiness was actually pretty good. And did you have it, Philadelphia? It, it just yeah. goes from one end to the other. And, you know, he, he has never been a solid straight, you know, it, 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 it swings from terrible to blockbuster. There's never in between. Okay. Here, here's what happened is that, Will Smith is trying to do the Adam Sandler thing, I think, where Adam Sandler had all of his blockbusters. He had all his massive successes. Now he's just farting out movies on Netflix to have fun with his friends. Will Smith is so far up his ass, he thinks he's doing that too. But he's not. But he's not. Because he wants everything to be Philadelphia. He wants, and it's not. Because he can't do the action. He can't do I Am Legend. He can't do fucking Independence Day anymore. I mean, I'm sure he's physically fit enough to do it, but he thinks he's above it now. Well, here's the primary difference right there. You know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Adam Sandler movies, but I kind of like him. And he was just at the Gotham Awards a few days ago. And he basically was on stage roasting himself. Right. And he was talking about his movies and he's like, hey, guys in prison need to have watch movies to watch as well. Right completely aware of what he is and what he does. Right. You know, he, he's like every so often he wants to do an uncut gems or something like that for some legitimacy, but yeah, he'll go out and burp out those Netflix movies and he's got a huge contract to do it. And they get an audience. I mean, th- what was that one that he did with uh, David Spade and the girl, the last Mimsy or something like that. It was like just absolutely unwatchable. Huge yeah. hit on Netflix. Sure, yeah. and but I mean that's just it. That's, I mean he's farting out these things that he has a con- he has a ten movie contract with Netflix, and he doesn't care if they're any good. Netflix doesn't care if they're any. Netflix doesn't care if anything they have is good. Um, but because they have a hundred billion fucking subscribers, they don't care. They'll appeal to somebody. But Adam Sandler is like, you know what? I got this ten movie contract. I'm just going to have money with my have fun with my friends. Have money too. But, and it's I can't even get mad at that. <laughs> like, I respect it. I you're really away do. with it. You're getting paid for it. You're having fun doing it, and you're keeping yeah. your friends employed. I'm, right? I'm cool with that. All right. And the I mean, thing is, I mean, for, I mean, looking at Adam Sandler too. Whether he doesn't, 
how he falls politically isn't really obvious, but the people he surrounds him with kind of tells you what it is and still having fun and nobody fucking cares. You know, you'll get one asshole who's like, oh, Rob Schneider's a rampant fucking Republican. But that doesn't matter because everybody knows him from everything else he's done. David Spade, too. I would have to say most, if not all of them, lean to the right. But yeah. unlike the rest of Hollywood, they don't... Lauren Michaels for so long. How do you lean to the right unless that just to rebel against him? <laughs> well... Maybe he saw the movie career of everybody that leaned left and said, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, right. And, and actually was successful doing it. So, I'm, yeah, how can you fault them? But the cool thing is they don't – I mean, granted, they probably aren't allowed to come out loudly with their political viewpoints. But still, they don't do it, and that's the way you do it. Yeah, they're not Kelsey Grammer yet, but they can be. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only time you really hear it is when you are – in that Kelsey Grammer, James Woods, fucking money plateau where you can suddenly start spouting off politically because you don't have to worry about your career anymore. Right. And it's when your body of work is so massive that, yeah. I've but got Frazier residuals out my ass for the rest of my life and my grandkids don't have to work. I'm a Republican. <laughs> That's Nobody cannot think of the song when they see scrambled eggs on the menu. <laughs> yes. He probably gets a cut of that, too. But anyway, thank you, Will Smith, for magnanimously t- saying we, we're allowed to not watch your movie. Yes. If you don't go watch his movie next week, know you have his full permission to do so. I just I'm curious to know what would have happened if he didn't give us permission. I would have had to have get subscribed to Apple Plus. Suppose. Well, you know what's going to happen. He's going to say, I did not. I, I never set out to make a slave slavery movie. But the you know the reason it bombed is because people didn't want to see a slave movie. Racism. Racism. Mm-hmm. No, and that's but you know you're right because we cover that all the time. Charlie's Angels. We didn't make this movie for men to watch. Well, you're a whole bunch of goddamn misogynists for not watching our movie. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2016, same thing. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, which again we covered at length with the Charlie's Angels thing. Is like, okay, so you had the Drew Barrymore. Lucy Liu, Cameron Diaz one, who made a quarter billion dollars. Yours didn't even cover the fucking posters. So it's not because men don't want to see strong, you know, women. It's because you're a bitch. Maybe if you got on top of a bed and dance in your underwear. Want to try that out? Oh, no, that's not for you men. Well, then there's no reason for me to watch a movie, is there? Sexist, not here to look sexist misogynist. Masagi knees. But it's uh, yeah, we we've uh, been granted access. No, no access. Well, permission. Just be just be safe in the knowledge that when you don't watch his movie, you're not in trouble. I, yeah. Yes. Well, we do have to. Uh, Aggie and I talked about this on our show the other night, but bears mentioning for the holidays, we've lost another one from Die Hard. Rest in peace, <laughs> Theo. The quarterback is toast. Quarterback is toast. Yeah, um, Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, Matlock. Matlock. He, he was around quite a bit. And if you don't know, he was also in the Blues Brothers. Yes. 
He was, he was, I think his first movie was Top Gun, wasn't it? Yes. No, it had to be Blues Brothers because Blues Brothers was before Top Gun. Okay. All right. Wait, the original Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers. he was, it, during the Ray Charles scene, he was the one trying to steal the guitar in the music yeah, shop. Hey, okay. <laughs> I hate to see him when a boy turns on. <laughs> but, and what I didn't know, which I love listening to you guys the other night about, was the uh, Die Hard Battery commercial. Yes. Still got to pull that up, actually. Yeah, that's the... Uh, that one surprised me. I was like, wait, how did I miss that? Yeah. I don't know how you missed it, but, I mean, the extended version of that commercial was epic. And Theo was in it, and he was trying to run down McLean, and, no. If you don't know the reason why, though, and you brought this up brilliantly is because of all the bad guys in Die Hard, he's the only one who lived. Right. Allegedly. You never saw his death on screen. Uh, he got knocked out in the end. Oh, yeah, he was punched out by Argyle. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else got wiped out. But, yeah, he was... Uh, I do recall him in the, uh, like, dressed in white scene in Top Gun. Yes. He, and he kind of somehow stood out in that. but Yeah, no, if you don't know that scene, he's the one who took over during You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Mm-hmm. Once Tom Cruise had sealed the deal, <laughs> passed the mic off to Clarence. It is dress whites in a bar. But he was also in some of the Left Behind movies. Which I find curious. See, now that I didn't know. Yeah, I saw that when we were looking up the uh, looking up some of the details. Also, too, this one jumped out at me. He was in Riptide, the TV series, for an episode. I love that. Oh TV. yes, oh yes. <laughs> when during the up, heyday of helicopters on television, I got to pull out my DVD set now and find that episode. You had Airwolf, you had Magnum P.I., and you had Riptide with the Screaming Mimi. And Vincent Charles robot. is the only one who, I don't even have to comment. I just put that model of helicopter on my Twitter feed, and he'll go, Screaming Mimi! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even have to be the pink one with the googly eyes. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, yeah, we were lamenting this the other night. It's just, you know seems like with regularity we're losing another cast member and even Bruce Willis himself is coming under uh some mental duress so see we're, it's going to come down to attrition where you're just going to have to acknowledge that 1941 is the premier christmas movie i've got too much invested here in die hard <laughs> see i made my piece with die hard long ago i posted Once I- I, I found the commercial. I posted it in the chat, Brad. So you can. Oh, okay, then. Nice. Yeah. I think that's the extended one. It's over two minutes. So I think that's the one that Good features be, Theo yeah. and Argyle. Argyle's also in it. Argyle's actually driving McLean. So. That's well, now I have homework after the show. Awesome. Aren't you Usually glad we do I'm never... I just cannot believe you never saw that commercial. It was epic. I saw the commercial. I just didn't know the extended, the extended version. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't know the extended one existed. I knew about the die. I remember, because you know, that was like when 
that was still in the Seagram's commercials with Bruce Willis era too. So, you know, <laughs> I do recall those back when he had a musical career for six months. Yeah. Well, you, right. I mean, him and Don Johnson were really belting it out in the mid eighties. <laughs> Don't laugh, but I had the cassette, Don Johnson's cassette. <laughs> you, you know what? You, you had to have. And, and Eddie Murphy's. See, party okay, all party all the time. Do not diss party all the time. That was that was that, that, you that got was, to because yeah. you party all the time, right? Hookers, <laughs> yes. but yeah. yeah, we got more. Hang on, I gotta bring up the rundown. Got the uh, top ten list. Well, okay, before we get to that, though, one thing that wasn't on the list we got to talk about, and this you have to give to new Twitter, which new Twitter is actually old, old Twitter when Twitter was fun before it got taken over by the fucking rainbow haired Pierce nose fucking. Anyway, um, Twitter was fun again. For those of you who, Rex, you got to come back, um, who haven't been on in a while. William Shatner has run out of patience with George Takai. Why give credence <laughs> to people consumed by envy and hate? <laughs> yeah, you, you have, um, kind of threw that one out there, and I didn't get to uh, read it, so I gotta, I gotta follow you here. Yeah, um, in his late, see, he's gotten into because now that you know, like George Takai and the left-leaning Twitterati are no longer sacrosanct. That gives William Shatner to start butting heads with Takai. And it's even gone off of Twitter and into the news, where at the times he was giving promotion for his book, uh, Boldly Go, where he was just talking about, I have just fucking had it. I mean... And he's like 60 years after some incident and they're still on that track. It's just, don't you think that's a little weird? And hey, he just lost patience with him. Yeah. I, I, I got, I'm, I can totally understand it. I am a very forgiving person. I don't forget anything. I will carry a grudge with me until I am ashes. So this is, this is exactly what you're seeing play out. This grudge has been going on. It's not going to get buried. Nobody's going to, you know, kiss and make up. It's just going to until they die. Well, and and he continues like it's like a sickness. George has never stopped blackening my name. These people are bitter and embittered. I've run out of patience with them. Why give credence to people so consumed by envy and hate? And he, he has he makes a good point. There is no reason why Takei has to keep harping on this he's got his own stick going you know he's now the face of you know gay americans i guess you know and well that's pretty much the point though because george sakai has established himself as so much being, he's just so beholden on the virtue signaling anymore if he were to put a branch out and make peace with him he would suffer a backlash Stupid yeah, no, as he, that sounds He's completely bought into and invested in the. I mean, and we, those of us on Twitter who you begrudgingly reply to him, whatever his stupidity, you know, it's constantly amazes us. It's like 
the people who put your family in internment camps are the people that you support. Yeah, I have absolutely no respect for him solely based on that. If there was ever anything that would make you reject democratic policies, that's like right up there with Tuskegee Airmen, which we got to save that for a political show. But that's, wow, CDC, whoa. Um, Yeah, that was pretty, oh, wow. Wow, wow, dude, talk about, anyway. (laughs) Okay, I I know, I know. He went out and he did other things. He did, you know, Babylon Five. He did, he 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 branched out. He became where he's not just known as fucking Chekhov. Right. All Sulu has, and this is the amazing thing: being pissed off that the Sulu in the Kelvin universe was openly gay, and being pissed off about that because Sulu's sexuality was never codified in the original series. Therefore, it can never be codified. But you're gay and you're pissed off. Look, the only person That's whose sexuality was is what that is. Yeah, the the only person whose sexual you know prowess was codified was Kirk because he was sleeping with everything that was not nailed down. Well, That's and it. Spock, since he had that relationship with Nurse Chapel. Well, Chapel wanted the relationship, but I don't think they ever, you know. But yeah, well, I guess a mock That's time, logical. but came close, but. Um, Kirk's was a love that wasn't bound by a universe. I always thought that. I, I I was pissed off because my friend Paul, who worked for Paramount, he was he was telling me that he was giving me the inside of when they were doing Star Trek Six, and one of the things that they scrubbed one was, of the finest, by the way. Yeah, one of the things they scrubbed was the relationship between Spock and Valeris, and I'm like, why did they do that away for it? That would have like that would have fantastic. I know. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> But anyway, I digress. But yeah, you're right. He is pissed off about something that he has absolutely no right to be upset over. No, especially after 60 years. I mean, imagine, I mean, that's a festering wound that you have just sit there and worried for 60 years. I mean, the original series was groundbreaking in so many ways. The first interracial kiss comes to mind, you know, that kind of thing. And to have a very diverse cast of characters was relatively unknown. Or how about Uh, this? This is the one thing when everybody talks about how groundbreaking Star Trek was, the one thing they never talk about, trying to sell socialism in the middle of the Cold War. Yeah. Although I always crack up about the whole prime directive thing. Right. (laughs) The prime directive. We live by the prime directive. Dude, you're breaking the prime directive in every episode. It's more of a guideline. Every single fucking episode. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Brad. He's over there drinking going, please let this end. So anyway. Brad Brad has come to terms when I go on my Star Trek. I know. I know. See, Ordy, Jeff and I need, and and Rick, we need to have a sci-fi show. (laughs) Just, I'm just, just to, you know, just to jabber about this. Shit. <laughs> I think I saw the triples episode. You know, that's about it. Oh no, which was to, brilliantly redone in Deep Space Nine. I it, it, okay, Ordy, did yes. you ever Present. do you ever watch like QVC? Not on purpose. Okay, well, there was one of the really pretty, I guess. 
show people, you know, the yeah. salespeople or whatever. Sure. She was unbeknownst to anybody. She was, she was actually a Miss Tennessee and all that stuff. And her name was Lisa and I forget his last name, but she was a big sci-fi geek. And when they started carrying the uh, Star Trek stuff, she begged to be the one to do it. And, and she was, you know, that, you know, there were, hawking a bunch of Star Trek stuff and everything. And she was on the the hour that had Takei and Chekhov and, okay. um, right. you know, all of these people. I, I, like, yeah, I remember they'd have the commemorative plates and shit like, like Franklin yeah, Mitchell. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, yeah. And she was like, you think I, you, you guys think I'm kidding? I'm having this recorded at home right now. This is go, This is like the be all and end all for me. <laughs> Takei is like, Really? <laughs> He was like stunned and this gorgeous, beautiful woman was like such a Star Trek geek. <laughs> it transcends so It does. Much. It does. It does. So I'm sorry, Brad. That's okay. <laughs> this That's happens okay. this happens every time Ordi and I are gone. <laughs> well there was um there's one I didn't throw on the list I forgot to, but uh Aggie and I had hit on this in the morning. Comments from the actress, Emma Corrin. She's appearing on a new release on Netflix. She's going to be in the adaptation of the D.H. Lawrence novel from the 1920s, Lady Chatterley's Lover. And in her promotional clip, she says... That she is ready to challenge anyone who has a problem with the celebration of female sexuality in this new film. I could have thought. <laughs> okay. So let me understand now. You are suggesting people aren't comfortable and accepting of female sexuality in cinema. As you filmed Lady Chatterley Lover for about the seventeenth dozen time, you had a I mean, we could just completely disregard Bridget Fonda's role on the Road to Wellville. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now well, that, that was, was some obscure shit I just dropped. That was medical treatment. There, that wasn't uh, okay. That was, was a that, sexuality. That was, that was a therapeutic. Is it that crazy? You know, Sorry, we live in an information age where everything throughout all history is available on six typer clicks, and and the people in the media and our actors think that everything began in like two thousand and nine. I mean, this is up there. Like, <laughs> this oh, is no, like I, wow! I finally, a female superhero. My my nieces and nephews think I was hatched two days ago. Honestly, <laughs> they they honestly think that. I mean, I I've brought this up before. My niece. Who is now a brand new mother? She and she just turned uh, thirty-two. Honestly, believe that uh, Philadelphia was the first movie about a gay man. <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, "Are seriously?" <laughs> so, That's when you just bust out the VHS and play Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> oh, and you know, and before that, Torch Song trilogy. Before you, that, I, just, I mean, there was a shit ton. Hollywood it's, Squares. Right. <laughs> Paul Lynn. Go oh to Paul Lynn in the center square. <laughs> the center square. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it it's just it it is it amazes me constantly how little 
of cultural history, uh, each generation tends to just either ignore, or just not learn about, not bother going to look for, you know. And we were guilty of that too. I mean, I, 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 I don't really you know, think we up. were though, because our generation had TBS. So without that, we wouldn't have been introduced to Andy Griffith, the OG Batman, and you know this everything about Beverly Hillbillies and everything. So that's why I say it's like Gen X is steeped in cultural references because. Yeah. We, we that. had all those. We had the best of both worlds. We had our own, plus we had the golden age of television. You know, it's like you. One of the things that still strikes me. I mean, I I know Jeff. Which welcome back. Sorry, we've gone longer than your show. Um, Jeff is back in the chat. Um, Jeff hates Back to the Future because of the time, the way that their take on time travel. But the most important line in that movie is one of the most like completely forgotten what's a rerun yes <laughs> when they're all watching <laughs> oh i Jack know this one this is, is like, where he goes you know he thinks he's an astronaut <laughs> blah 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 yeah. it's like uh, i saw it on a rerun what's a rerun <laughs> and and that's the you know it's we were one of the first generations that actually got reruns that's true. Now it's you, you stream, you know, you binge watch an entire fucking season without the concept of it's just a rerun. Oh, but yeah. I'll I, tell you I what have... I think is happening, though, is you recall when we were all going through the freshman phase in college. You know, and uh. you're getting exposed to some new thought processes and theories are coming across that strike you and you're like, holy crap, this is eye opening. This is amazing. well, no, it's something you are hearing for the first time. It's yeah, this is an axiom of the universe you've just become aware of. Yeah, so this when you have that bolt of awareness, you know, that you think you're onto something hot and new. But the thing is, when we were in college, we didn't have Twitter and Facebook to belch out our discovery to the world. No, like we just had now. marijuana and a circle of dirt bags. Yeah, we were down in the basement. It was like, <laughs> did you guys know about some? You know, and then a senior is like, yeah, we studied that three years ago, Jerry. I guess. And then you got checked, and you're like, okay, tamp it down a bit. Not today. Now, when these kids find something new out, what's the first thing they do? Tweet it out, put it on Facebook. Can you believe this? I saw a gay movie for the first time. This is a bit. <laughs> you just said uh, that to the entire world, not to some stoners in the basement. No, there was well, there was one really cute chick, and she was. She was talking about the movie Clueless and how, you know, there were parallels to uh, Emma, the book Emma, and that, you know, Elton, you know, the, the character of Elton. And in the book was Lord Elton. And somebody said, um, you do realize that Clueless is 90s <laughs> adaptation of the book Emma. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know. Nobody had ever watched Ten Things I Hate About You for the first time. It, it, that, it, that's another one. That's oh wait until they find out Clue exactly. is based on a board game. Oh no, 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 no! I, I hope they never, ever, ever find out. For Battleship. Listen, don't that, you diss that movie. That is okay. You know what? I say, that is my guilty pleasure. It that is, is that totally. Los Angeles. Those are my guilty pleasures. It was based on a novel. I'm looking at it on my shelf right now. <laughs> adaptation well no it's the other way around but yeah hello motherfuckers but you know it's it's like when jeff filled in for me a few weeks back and you guys were talking about um what was it dudes or bros what was it dudes was the one never mind dudes was another movie it's like oh you know 
oh my God, dude, the reason why this failed is because America is just not ready to, you know, to accept a gay movie like Birdcage, oh, Brokeback yeah, Mountains. Yeah, bros. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that at all. I mean, Brokeback Mountain didn't it win Academy Awards? Yeah, and it only made like a billion fucking dollars. Yes, and it's I mean it wasn't referenced. the only one. The Birdcage was a great adaptation of La Caja Full. And sure. and and it was awesome. And oh my god, Nathan Lane was so great and so over the top. Victor Victoria. Victor Victoria. Oh my god, it was so great. I love that movie. <laughs> but so, I mean, there, so the point is, so yeah, many. they think that this is all the new stuff. You know, it's oh, they've never done this before. Well, no, again, going back to Star Trek. Well, they've never had a black female captain. Okay, well, you know what? You take Jane Wayne, you take Cisco, and you just took the shittiest elements of both of them, and you made Discovery. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. God, Cisco was like. The best. Yeah, See, but. Yeah, no, but. but. It's the best. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> At least okay. we now have a female president of Earth. <sighs> God. Brad, why was, why are you the way you are? <laughs> that's that's me, like, flashing the lights on and off. Don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> hey, do you know the song Closing Time is about pregnancy? What? I uh, did not. Yeah, well, you're talking about, you know, cl- shutting the bar down. It's something that I Rick has as the outro on AOTR, and uh, I I told him to re. I don't think he's ever actually researched it because I threw that in chat one time. I was like, hey, you know, the song is about pregnancy, and uh, he's like, I'm, so I like to throw that out every now and then. But since you just oh, made okay. flashing, I'm like, yeah. All righty then. <laughs> Well, did you blow my mind? Right. Have you ever really gotten into your hand, man? It's like those little lines are freeway. And like, your have you ever off. smelled color? Not, <laughs> not lately, now. So, moving on to the Nielsen Top Ten streaming list. Oh yeah, we still got that for a segue. <laughs> nice. That's abruptly. That's a hard segue. That was just like you know what? We're moving past all this shit and we're wrapping it up. Launching off the speed bump here because I'm sure Cranky could, wants to get home. Because as Jeff said, Jesus Christ, they're still going. <laughs> <laughs> Your jealousy is ugly, Jeff. I just got to tell you. So um, we got the various list here: the original acquired in the movies, um, Hotel Transylvania Two came in at number three on films. This is from uh, after. Halloween, well, the week of Halloween through November 6th. So that one makes sense. Cracked me up. Hocus Pocus is still on there at five. Encanto and Coco have cracked the top 10. How about that? This is what cracked me up, though. Number one in the acquired series Coco Melon. Coco Melon. <laughs> Back now, on top. I just realized something, Wardy, as long as we've been making fun of this damn program on these damn lists. Number one, we always say it's just all they're doing is putting on television to babysit, right? Mm-hmm. This just dawned on me. Top of the acquired series list, most minutes, 862 million. 
only has 18 episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because number two, with 758 million minutes on Acquired Series, is NCIS. 339 episodes. So, but here's the other thing. Here's Coco Melon has been on top in the top 10 streaming lists as long as we have been reporting them on the show. And the show is older than streaming lists because when we started doing this, there were no top 10. We were streaming was new when we first started doing the show. Yeah, it was just, uh, well, the, the, the competitive nature was. It was always Netflix, but then in the course of our show here, yes, more and more streamers have come up, so there's competition. And then Nielsen, about a year or two ago, started finally figuring out a way to measure this. And all that time, they've never produced new episodes? Nope. 18. That's all the shows they have, 18. Damn. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you got to put this, this is on top of NCIS, the Blacklist, Gilmore Girls, Grey's Anatomy, Friends, um, Game of Thrones, and The Simpsons. Mm. Well, yeah, the um, Disney Plus has brought Simpsons over now for the first yeah. time. Yeah, uh, well, about a month or so ago. So this is kind of. But still, it was on. You could get it on FX streaming. You could get it. There were other ways to get it. I think it was even on yeah. Hulu for a while too. So, which doesn't really matter because that's Disney anyway. But then I think it was before the Disney acquisition. So. But still. Yeah, because uh, when they took over Fox, then they have access to The Simpsons. I don't know why they wouldn't use The Simpsons to sell Hulu. But. You know, okay, so this actually, I mean, it makes sense, but I found it kind of bizarre when I saw it. I was watching something on Hulu the other day, and you can get the first seven episodes of Andor on Hulu to like the 17th. So that's, the, that's your gateway drug for Disney+. Plus. Well, they're kind of doing that, um, you know, like the broadcast move where, you know, available on streaming in 24 hours. Yeah. So they'll probably bounce it over there and, yeah, get you taste. It's like, ah, I'll just go ahead and get the bundle. Kind of the thinking. But it, I would think they'd want to build more value in the Fox side of things with a Fox product like The Simpsons. But, hey, what do I know? I'm not sinking my stock by 30% in the last year. So, Okay, so here's one thing that surprises me is um, there's going to be two things I'm going to talk about here because I'm a regular digester of Netflix and neither of these have popped up on my radar and they both should have given my taste profile that Netflix is supposedly hyper in tune with. (laughs) Number four movie, All Quiet on the Western Front 2022. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that's uh, surprising to me as well. Yeah, and the other one, and this is October, and it makes sense, but this is, again, Netflix should, because it is a Netflix original, and they know me based off of watching things like Carnival Row and things like that. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities should have been emblazoned all over my watch list. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have pretty much anything by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said pretty much anything by Guillermo del Toro. You're Puerto Rican, aren't you? <laughs> I have no comeback to that. <laughs> <laughs> they never do. Nope. 
I speechless. <laughs> like the uh, the old Mel Blank routine from Jack Metty. Are you my driver? C. What's your name? Sai. <laughs> you have a sister? C. What's her name? Sue. <laughs> what does she do? So. Okay. <laughs> uh, those old who's on first bits were always great. Classics, I think, is how they classify them. Golden uh, Age. Found this, too, a little curious. In the original series, number one is Manifest. So Netflix has taken that over from NBC, apparently. Yeah, no, we've, we talked about that a few episodes ago. They they absolutely own it now. So it's not going to be shit, on Peacock. This list just up. Never mind. I went to I accidentally clicked on overall. I was like, this list just updated in real time. Captain <laughs> Curiosity just dropped to number six. No, you just clicked on overall. Dumbass. Good straight, man. But uh, good thing we have Aggie here. Always. Because I would like for Aggie to read the number nine entry. The Great British Baking Show. (laughs) (laughs) That sound you hear is me shaking my head. Never gets old. Never. Oh, come on, you guys. <laughs> I just, it's a good show. I mean, seriously, if you want to just, it's like watching a fish tank, okay? It, it just relaxes you. It's not like the American counterpart that you're, on, you know, that makes you stress out over using the wrong type of vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> And then being thrown some kind of cookie, you know, uh, thing to use in their cake or whatever it is that they're baking, you know, that kind of shit. That's it's stupid. It's this sixty one seconds. Just, you better be plating. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, seriously, this one is just really calm. They tell you what you have to do. You know, you. It's it's just it's it's just great. Sorry, I'm not gonna. T- I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I had to throw it at you. But on the overall list, Manifest takes it for the week. Uh, kind of small, though. Only 1,371,000,000 minutes watched. Okay, well, you guys vamp while I do that math. So, uh, followed by Love is Blind, Inside Man. I got to uh, plead ignorance on this one as well. I know it's uh, that's the one with David Tennant and Stanley Tucci. But... Uh, what it's about, I'm not really sure. Apparently, it's all the rage, though, as it was the number three. Coco Melon was the fourth spot overall. <laughs> and uh, NCIS is there. Blacklist Gilmore Girls makes the top ten. My house uh, contributing to that. I'm waiting to see if Yellowstone is going to crack in the coming lists, since that just debuted, I think, last week. Oh, and 1.3 billion minutes watched is 2,473 and one-third years of linear watching. Mm -hmm. Still cracks me up. Thousands of years to watch that. And this was for one week. Love it. Well, all right, gang. I think that's going to top us out. We can finally let Jeff uh, get some sleep in his... uh, Fit of anger. So, Aggie, we'll start with you. 
let the lady uh, escort first and hold the door open for her. Where can people find more of your magnificence? Well, you can find me at Aggie Rican and at Aggie the Barkeep. Those are over on Twitter. I'm also on Getter and several other social media sites that I cannot for the life of me remember. Uh, you can find me at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Tuesday nights doing the cocktail lounge with the absolutely wonderful Brad Slager. Oh, yeah, that would be you. And Friday nights also at 8.30 p.m. Eastern doing He Said, She Said with the quirky and lovable Mickey Blowtorch. And how about you, Brad? Take a deep breath. <laughs> I can be found daily over at townhall.com in the VIP section with my media column called Riff from the Headlines, also a regular feature at the front page of Red State, where I also got my twice-a-week podcast called Liable Sources, going even deeper into the media maelstrom that it is. And you can hear me on this very network. Alternate Thursdays, I'm here with Paul Young as we do Disasters in the Making, where we get into bad movies and the dark side of Hollywood. And as you said, Tuesday evenings with yourself on the Cocktail Lounge as you and I go through leisure and culture and art and a host of other relaxing activities in a fun manner, I hope. And then if you need more of me than that, let's face it, you do. You can head over to Twitter and find me at Martini Shark, also at Instagram, Truth Social. I just remembered I do have a Getter account. I got to try to get that revamped as well, just for the sake of spreading my content all across this great ether for more attention. And what about you, Ordy? People get more of your content. Well, getting some more of my content is easy. You can find me as Yoda Secreto on Twitter until there's going to be 50 of us once the uh, (laughs) St. Elon of Tesla removes restrictions. And yeah, I, and a lot of people have been asking, I will not be coming back as road beer. Um, Just gasp. Do it. Gasp. I know. Um, Anyway, reasons. So uh, next week you can find me on Rick and Ordy with Rick. And you can also find me on Juxtaposition Saturday Night with Rick, where we delve into the strange, bizarre, unusual conspiratainment. And um, then two weeks from now, you'll find me here again with Brad and talking about all the entertainment news you need to lead you into the weekend. All right, gang, that's going to hit it for us. So. We will be looking Wait, hang for on. You. Thank you. Where can people find you? Oh, I have been outed. I've added myself into my real name. You can find me on Twitter at <laughs> underscore Gordon. No, at underscore. No, at, at Gordon, Gordon underscore, underscore Kushner. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll be there. I'll take I'll be taking calls and uh, please check out my new hot take advent calendar with fabulous celebrity cameos. I'm looking forward to that. Also, don't forget, um, we ran long. You should have all run, been running over to listen to Jeff's uh, YouTube uh, show, Manorama, uh, where he's with um, – it, it's a panel show. It's great. It's deep. And then also don't forget to go listen to Concrete Blonde's Mexican Moon after the show as well. <laughs> exactly. Did He uh, he didn't drop a link in chat, did he? Uh, he dropped a link on his Twitter account, um, so you can look okay. for that. And uh, or just, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So good. And I think he did actually drop a link in chat. Let me scroll up to the beginning. But anyway, uh, go check it out on YouTube. It's Manorama. Wanted to pimp appropriately. Cool. Yes. All right. You know, well, it, I, 
when one of us branches out, I think it's important for us to uh, embrace that. Always. Yes. Got to kick them out of the nest at some point. <laughs> Swat them in the butt and let them catch flight on their own. And it is a really good show, too. Well, there, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> All right. Well, then. Everybody, we will be uh, looking for you again in two weeks as Ordy and I come back with more of the vital intent and important information from the entertainment realm here on The Culture Shift. Hail Hydra. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.